Okay, Bart, Bart. A guy, a guy as, well, uh, and, and you, pro- you probably get sick of this, and, and it doesn't matter. But a guy as, um, as, as Mensa, not Mensa-like, but obviously Mensa, and a, a man with a brain that is constantly, it seems to me, going, um, and, and way too much, not too much, but perhaps knowledge that is just... The stuff, and it's it's innate, it seems. It's organic. It's not something you set out to do. It's who you are. It's what you have to do because that's the way your brain works. Do you, Bart Costco, Dr. Bart Costco, author of Fuzzy Thinking. He's a doctor, too? Not that good. Where, where, where have you been? That's a PhD. <laughs> in. Where a PhD have you been? Yeah, yeah. Where have you been, Bart? I don't but, know. And not an ED either. Look at this growth. Can you look at it? No, I'm kidding. Do you, Dr. Bart Costco, believe in a higher being? In my book, Fuzzy Thinking, the last chapter is called Man and God, where I address that question. And it's something I've looked at as a philosophy major, just as a kid thinking. Like a lot of us in high school, I became the village atheist for a while. And if you don't go through that phase, the thing was probably wrong. I've seen all the, I can argue the case either way. In fact, if I tell you a real quick story, one of my professors, um, he's gone now. His name was Willard. He was a philosophy professor at USC. I took logic courses from him, got, got to know him. And years later, a student came to me and said, you know, I'd li- an engineering student, I'd like to take this course, philosophy course. But I heard from a friend that this professor Willard is just brutal, the most venomous atheist that there is, and I'm a devout Catholic, and, and yeah. I don't think I should take Professor Dallas Willis' course. And I said, of course you could. Yes. And what you don't know is that Dallas is a minister. Wow. Hmm? wow. And he, what did I tell you? Wow. If you want to crush your opponent in debate, mm-hmm. you know the subject so well, uh. you can argue the case better than your opponent. And he would give you, so I can do that stuff too. But what I see, and it's what some of the old Greeks saw, so I spent a lot of my mind, life in mathematics, is math. So here's, to me, the great mystery of the universe and leads to some speculations. The universe is finite. Math is infinite. Those are two separate facts. They're both true. Finite universe, 13.8 billion years old, and math is infinite, but point three, the great mystery, is that that finite universe tracks the math. It doesn't have to. And we have look at it, and you see a kind of blueprint. And it, you can't help but when you see that blueprint, say, who in the hell wrote this thing? <laughs> well, beyond that. And that I call the math maker. Okay. Oh, do you med- my brain is bleeding wait, 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 right wait, wait, now. No, no, no. Do, do you meditate? <laughs> <coughs> okay. So, so do you have... Thinking, but hold, hold on a second. You- Just slow down a second. The math maker. The math maker. The math maker... So it's not necessarily so, God. So you, well, no, you no, no, no. That, that's what that's what it's Bart like, is saying. If you think about God for a second, any yeah. basic properties of God, yeah. whether it's omniscience, omnipotence, omnipotent, these sorts of things, it's going to include math. Yeah, it's not just our little view of it. Right. Oh, the old saying you. is that one goldfish says the other. Of course, is a God because who else changes the water in the bowl? Correct. And we can we one. can go beyond that. That's their God. These, yes. What you're trying to explain is not just atoms mm-hmm. and bits, but the math itself. And whatever the he, she, the it, or the nothingness that made the math, that's the real power. And it's hard not to be in awe of it. And by the way, I think the one religion that captures that in its art 
oddly, is Islam, not with Allah, but with a mosque. You ever been in a mosque? It's got this magnificent geometry. Yeah, I have not. You'll see it in a few synagogues, but it it because they know the geometry, the blueprint of the universe. That's the real power. Wow, and the Knights Templar brought that back. Wow, mm-hmm. and they built these great cathedrals in Europe, mm-hmm. but they picked it up from the Middle East when they. Well, look at the Druids. No, well, well, well speak, <laughs> speaking of synagogues, um, Mark C. G. Boyer, who is a, a, a computer geek. And he's not—he's not a guy that can help you with anything except, uh, you know, n- num- numbers yeah. and snacks. Uh, and and snacks and <laughs> and and, and uh, computer logic and writing programs. You—you've done a lot of research on this Bart Costco. Is there something that fascinates? I mean, obviously the man is fascinating, but but uh, a question, Mark C. G. Boyer. Uh, yeah, send the. Oh, I, I thought Bart Costco wanted potato chips. What oh, okay. one question that we have missed here that you might be fascinated in asking Dr. Bart Costco, Mark C.G. Boyer? Yes. So we'll get back to World War III. Well, hold on, hold on. He's got a question for you. Go ahead, please. We're, get the mic up or talk good louder. We're, we're, we're approaching quickly the point where the brute force of artificial intelligence we have now will actually become machine learning independent intelligence and I find that terrifying that what if you if, if what we have now hallucinates right what what a, what would an independent intelligence that thinks a million times faster yeah. than we do yeah. is 2001 real but, 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 I think well, is no, what you're saying the, this would be the Forbin project yeah <laughs> you, you know yes I do yes where yeah, the two supercomputers join together. It's okay, Bart. You want to slap me right now? We all do. No, no, no. no but <laughs> the but, fear of a machine but, deciding it wants to take over for what purpose? But but hold on. You're, but you're talking. But you're talking about supercomputers getting together. Is is that a is that a real thing? I mean, is that would still depend on us though. You you bet and beyond. Wow. I actually have a series. I don't want to. get But John was going to be involved with John Millius. Right, yeah. John Millius. Uh, I, I just don't want to give that. Can away I go shooting that. with John, please? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I wish you could. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, you're you're kind of asking a question. That takes me back to Ben Franklin because we are talking about AI as that newborn babe, right? And right. that could be that newborn babe could be Albert Einstein or can be Adolf Hitler. Yes, sir. And some magnification of those. Yeah. So there's a real concern. And I will say also the word AI is I don't say it's a misnomer, but it's a pretty broad blanket. It is. And they use it for different things, and it's changed. So we, in electrical engineering, we usually call it CI, as in computational intelligence. Mm-hmm. And for a while, we went away from that with artificial intelligence to artificial, to machine intelligence and machine learning. And the guy who introduced that term, incidentally, didn't know him well. His name was John McCarthy. He was a professor at Stanford. He used to write for Reason Magazine, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I went to a conference in 1984. It was at Austin near UT Austin in August, hot, sweaty place, AI conference. He was a keynote a lot, a lot like this bar you're in. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that, but it was <laughs> yeah. a lot, the humidity was a little higher there. Oh, no oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was high. And I remember he, to break the ice, he, he told a joke, I'll do my best to okay. produce it. Yeah. He said, all right, so all the engineers and scientists have gotten together, built the great AI machine we've been waiting for. It sucks <laughs> up a ton of energy. It pollutes. It's raised the temperature of the earth degrees, a couple degrees Fahrenheit, whatever. And we have taken a poll, 
And we've come up with one question we want to ask him when we turn you on. So he turns it on, and he faces, and everyone's waiting, and he says, here goes the question. Is there a God? Boom. And the answer, <coughs> there is now. <laughs> wow. There is now. John McCarthy, not me. The guy labeled it AI. But that would be ego. There is now. And, and I don't see how a machine could have ego. There is now. Well, you could program it to emulate it. That's wow. the problem. That's exactly wow. It's who is controlling the wow. AI. It's not the AI itself. It's the people who are programming yeah, the AI. Yeah, of course. Well, that's... I, I, but matter of fact, you asked me about World War Three. Yes. And so, you asked me, what, in effect, what keeps me up at night. Yes. And World War, the, the threat of it, and I see some things I don't like. Now, many years ago, I introduced something called an FCM, Fuzzy Cognitive Map. If I can say a swear word on the radio, mm. some people refer- now you can all the time. Now you some can. Some people refer to it as a quote "fuck 'em" FCM. All right, I don't, but that's what it sometimes. Yeah, called. fuzzy cognitive maps are a way of doing causal reasoning where lots of things interact, and it gets hot and it cools off, gives you a kind of prediction. We used it at the Rand Corporation recently. To so it's like the Magic Eight Ball. Well, maybe. <laughs> okay, I'll just, I just I don't enough know. metaphor, but we used it at the Rand Corporation. <laughs> Well, my former students runs an AI group there to look at what's called the Thucydides trap. Is it the case that the higher power goes to war with the lesser but rising power? In this case, will America go to war with China? Right. And it's a whole project out of Harvard called the Thucydides trap. We went back, took the Harvard stuff, put it in a cognitive map, and we found that in 80% of the cases, not saying these were the most probable, but possible inputs, war resulted. No kidding. Wow. No kidding. I don't want the folks at Rand. I'm not saying that Rand says this. We did not have the relative rankings of the input states. Right. But we were shocked to see how many outputs led to conflict. I'm not saying that happened, but that's an example. Yeah, but that's not a surprise. Okay. Okay. But so the point is I think about this, and I sometimes draw cognitive maps. You can just go on Matt online and see it. Yeah, but. It's my most cited research paper, by the way. but, 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 But does that change depending on who's in office? Sure, it could affect it. Yeah. When, but 40 years, 30 years ago, I brought out fuzzy thinking. 40 years ago, when I was a young 23-year-old working my Ph.D., I worked full-time in the heart of the Cold War. If I can give a little more background. In those days, half the scientists and engineers worked for the military, as I did. But this was the biggest defense contractor in the world called General Dynamics. It was San Diego, and I was affiliated with the UC system and SD and Berkeley and Irvine. By the way, don't you know they're the bad guys? They're the bad guys. Don't they? Don't they make the? Uh, oh, the uh, left. Submarines? The left hates yes, them. They do. I consult yeah. the electric. Oh, yeah. They're the bad. Bad guys, Bart. So you know, I'm saying this tongue in cheek. My first day on the job, Matt. Yeah. I was assigned to the cruise missile project. Yeah. The Tomahawk cruise missile. And I mean, it was, I remember the place. It's all been torn down after the Cold War. But they even had a place on break, and some employees. It was like a city. In Kearney Mesa, some people could bring their kids a swing set with little cruise, cruise missiles you could put the kids on right. go back and forth. Jeez. But I learned a lot fast yeah. and saw things that I still can't say. And I was a bright kid. I didn't threaten anybody. You know, I look, I'm barely shaving. So I was often brought into meetings that you wouldn't otherwise get access to. Not just through General Dynamics Convair, it was called, but electric boat. In the submarines yeah. with the Fort Worth and the F-16 with the land systems in Detroit, a lot of stuff. And it really opened my mind to the threats. So right away, a fairly creative guy began writing music. I came up with a proposed weapon system. And I 
called it Adaptive Distributed Space Battle Management. This was the beginning of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And I, I, I thought that's where you were going. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. And I, I actually stood not too long after doing it. I think it was the day after Christmas. I was in General Abramson's office back in the Pentagon area. Really? And General Abrams? It, uh, General Abramson. I believe it was Abramson. Okay. But he actually was out then, but it was his staff. Mm-hmm. And it was going to get funded through something in Rome Air Development. Meanwhile, I left after a bit to go to a small think tank. From there, I went to USC, and I was also teaching part-time at UCSD. And at the think tank, oddly, I came up with another weapon system whose preliminary work was funded. And I gave it the name ADAM, A-D-A-M, ADAM. Adaptive, well, ADAM is, refers to the air-based associative memory. And so air defense associative memory. The idea was the problem with with strategic defense initiative, we said, was putting the roof on the house before the house had the sides <laughs> to put the roof on. So in other words, you could even have this great Star Wars system in the sky. The Russians were working one, by the way, and they lied about it. You could have the system in the sky, but somebody could come up right off the shore in a submarine, pop a missile or cruise missile and go right beneath it, cause the trouble. So that was it. And it was an interesting thing. One of my, my lead advisor, Dr. Alan Stubrud at UC Irvine, had just been the chief scientist for the Air Force. And talking to him, I said, yeah, this week I submitted my proposal. I just I had this idea to hammer everything looks like a nail. I'd introduced a, an associative memory neural network model. It's called a BAM, bidirectional associative memory. And I just pitched it to the Air Force. I said, what the hell? I said, you know, I actually could just consult it. I won't mention and you're, it. Now, and you're 23, 26 at years old. I'm 26. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, I just was a consultant for a certain aerospace company and they gave six or seven contracts for the first phase. I got one of them. And my advisor didn't. I always I oh. got a kick out of that. <laughs> and so the Air Force summoned me back. I'd never been back in Massachusetts area. And I flew back and got a car. And it's beautiful in the fall. This was, I think, early October. I walked in a Hanscom Air Force base. And they're like, where's your dad? <laughs> a very young guy. Yeah. And so forth. But it went well. But then I left, gave up my clearance, and, and went into where I'm at now at USC. But I learned a lot in that formative era about what's really going on, how close we came to World War III a couple wow. times over. Wow. For example, the, what's now called, I believe they call, Seven Days to the Rhine. The Soviets, via the Warsaw Pact, does this ring a bell? Your audience yeah, may yeah, not be familiar. Of course, of course. They were going to make, these guys were, the old-timers really wanted to make a run and take over West Germany. And the only thing, and they had the tanks to do it, and the only thing that stopped them was the invention of the late, great Sam Cohen called the neutron bomb. And then that got a lot of media time. Oh, it's mm. a capitalist bomb. It kills mm-hmm. people, leaves buildings. That's actually not a good description. But it did deter them. So I, I saw those sorts of things, had, and I thought about it, and over time you get an idea. And so with, whether it's cognitive maps, Matt, or that history, I think a lot about World War III. And let me tell you what really worries me. Besides the potential conflict with China, Besides their joint military exercises with Russia, besides them prepared to not just invade Taiwan, but setting up a land bridge between Russia and China. It's this question. This is the question that I'm not hearing an answer to. What comes after Putin? Mm. Why is that important? Putin has not just a country, Mm -hmm. he's got a continent. He's got 14 time zones, some of the greatest, if not the greatest, natural resources, the biggest nuclear installations and weapon systems. Who takes over after Putin? Mm-hmm. To whom, uh, to whom mm-hmm. uh, that might be 
to whom that might be of interest. And I read an article in Foreign Affairs from the Council of Foreign Relations that came out recently. It said, don't be worried about when Putin's gone, written by a guy named Mikhail Khodorovsky, who had been put in prison by Putin. Nice by, Irish boy, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Gary Kasparov, the great chess champion. Right, mm-hmm. right. And it's interesting. It's like we've got like a government in exile. I'm sure they mean well. But they had a phrase that worried me, two words, something they wanted to set up before democracy is achieved. We need to set up, they said, a, quote, temporary technocracy. Yeah, that's a problem. A temporary yeah. tech. Now, you think technocracy, you think it's at least a social credit system of China. What do you mean temporary technocracy? How temporary is it? So I think about that. The biggest potential land grab, weapons grab, and the history of the species could happen as soon as Putin falls. Who benefits? That can lead to... World War Three, right? And God only knows. As they well, say. let me just that say, I, I'm more hopeful because of this. Uh, people, like we're, we're our military is volunteer. Th- those guys force people into it. I'm not worried I, about I, Russia. I, I, I'm just saying, though. Like, I, I feel like there's a because of the internet and what people can get and what they can see. I feel like there's a humanist nature to things. You ask about people ask about whether God is real or not. I, I think that there's a, something happening with human beings, and they're, they're collectively not trusting government more and more every day. But, but hold on. What, the, these what, are the same human beings that went with the whole mask thing, though. In our, yeah, yeah. yeah I hear, here's what I worries you. me, what I would call the Davos crowd. It's, it's the propaganda thing that we have a well, problem with. Think about this, the Davos crowd. And I bring that up because you might remember last summer, we saw those images, at least on BBC, Saw those images out of Sri Lanka, the island just south of India. Right. And I dated a Sri Lankan girl once, but no. we won't go into that. All right. And a lot of folks had convinced, in effect, the dictator of Sri Lanka to not use fertilizer for the good of the environment or whatever. It backfired horribly. The, com- the country collapsed. You saw the people revolting in the swimming pool of the palace. But there's a lot of people, I think, who'd want to take over all that land. Mm-hmm. All those riches. With mm-hmm. China right there. Yeah, natural resources. Hell yeah. Now, in nano time, one of these stories, when we go to World War Three. By the way, another book, uh, Bart right. Costco book, Nano Time. Right, about what World War Three might look like. That's yeah. the year 2030. Right. That's why I thought about it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that happen is when, if I can use another term, the shit hits the fan. Yeah. For different reasons, China makes a play and takes Siberia. Because it's got historical reasons as well as anybody else has for that region. There's all those great natural resources. There's not a lot, at least when I wrote the novel, it came out in the mid-90s, that Russia could do about it. Right. Uh, but that's another. But now there's a relationship between China and Russia that hasn't been there since the early days. Right. Really, we, 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 which thank to me Biden. is... Thank you, Biden. Yeah, thank you, Biden. This will probably be post-Biden here, but it's a very oh, It will be, but it's happening now but because of what's happening Yeah, right thank so you. I, I, I yeah. don't want to share my raw speculations, but the question that nags at me is after Putin, the instability that's sure to follow. Interesting. All those resources, all those weapons, and China right there... Uh, that could be something what we would later call World War Three. Yeah, are you talking about the weapons that we left behind or the weapons? Well, that's another triggering event. That's, yeah. That's what I was going to get into. Yeah, yeah, good good tattoo, Dave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you look at, you know, you say, well, what did you do in Afghanistan? Well, we did this, that, created Bagram, mm-hmm. gave it to our opponents, and then we gave them the best weapons right. Americans could develop. Right. Uh, my understanding of that is... It's led to an inflationary effect in the black market for weapons. That's that right. Area. The and people one, that are there aren't using the weapons. They don't even know how to use them. One thing I learned in my old days in aerospace, 
was to always look first at the nuclear picture. And and this is what concerns me. <laughs> Aerospace. I'm not concerned An- another because notch. the UFOs don't want us to use the nuclear. Well, would it were so, uh, that would help. But I'm, I think before <laughs> we learn more about that, we have to assume the worst here. So I, I got some pictures to show if you. If you think about the legitimate concerns about Iran spinning its centrifuges, that's a uranium-based thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, where did they get those centrifuges, do you know? From, from Pakistan. From? And think about that for a minute. First, Pakistan is Sunni. Iran is Shia. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the biggest conflicts yes. in history. Of course. 100%. But nevertheless, they got them from there. And you might remember that when we invaded Iraq, we were, in effect, negotiating with Gaddafi in Libya. And he said, hey, don't invade me, and look what I've got. I bought this stuff mm-hmm. from Dr. A.Q. Khan in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. I bought this stuff in Abu Dhabi, or one-stop shopping, they used to call it. Here are my <laughs> centrifuges. Here is my so-called Chicom 4 formula for creating an implosion. And they hung him anyway. Well, they didn't quite hang him. Well, they, they hung Saddam, but they, they knifed him. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. What, what they did the to Gaddafi, you don't want to talk yeah, about Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Radio. But the, my point is, if you go back a little further. See, I was thinking Saddam. You, you mentioned. As the Bushes called him, Saddam. Yeah, exactly. No, I was thinking Saddam. And it yeah. turned out for, for short for Saddam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, closer to the mark here. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go back to, remember the movie Goldfinger? Oh, yeah. It comes Who out. in this bar doesn't remember the movie? The great, well, look, look over there under the TV there. Yeah, yeah, star, starring. Oh. Well, that's octopus. I know, but, but I'm just saying. It's yeah, oh, yeah, 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 hell yeah. But starring the great uh, Dr. Uh, Bart Costco <laughs> as James so. Bond. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but. In that movie, as you know, the plot wouldn't work, and so the screenwriter said, wait a minute, uh, we got to find something, so we'll nuke the gold right. supply at Fort Knox, and it'll be irradiated for so many You years. expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. One of the greatest lines. You know, and I tested that on the audience to see the movie reference. My students, not one student even had heard it. You know why? Because no matter how hot those little chicks are in your (laughs) class, dumb as mud fences. Continue, please. I I can't comment. That that, that. movie won't interest them because it doesn't have enough stupid music to it and everything else. I'm sorry. That's okay. But if you remember that. By the way, Shirley Bassey. I, I'm sorry, Mike said that. My apologies. Yeah. Go ahead. What a great voice. <laughs> no, really. the, the music in the movie was great. I know. It's what I, they're listening to I, today I that they yeah. won't yeah. identify with. You. So, uh, if you go back to the movie, exactly in the scene you talked about, mm-hmm. Bond has to find a way to stop that laser about to split him in two. <laughs> and Goldfinger is off talking to who? The quote-unquote Red Chinese. Remember that? Yes. And he says, Operation Grand Slam. Right. Your, can you be sure? And then they, he thinks of something, stops it, saves him, and he's on the airplane. I think the movie goes downhill after that. Yeah, yeah. But that's one of the greatest. No, no, it's a, it's the greatest of all time. That, that remember, scene. the laser was first invented in 1960. That yeah. movie came out in 64. Yeah. First, first use of it. So when James Bond has that, after he spied on Goldfinger's <laughs> right. talk, right. Uh, not, not a lot of that makes sense, but when he comes back and he's, I've done some calculations, I've figured it out, and... You're going to kill all these people. You won't be able to drive it, drive it out all the gold. And he said, who said I wants to take it out? This is what Goldfinger's talking. Right. And then he says, oh, I see. It works for everybody. The gold supply, your prices go up at least tenfold or whatever it is. And the red Chinese get economic chaos in the West. Remember that? Yes. Now, what surprised apparently the CIA, according to books I've read, this is not something I learned in aerospace. Uh, I am a student of nuclear history. And according to books I've read, that the CIA underestimated when the Chinese would have their first nuclear detonation. 
And it was soon after the movie, I think 66 or 67. And they perfected something that allegedly in one form or another was what was sold to Gaddafi and others, the so-called CHICOM form, CHICOM 4 model. Because you would say, wait a minute, I thought all the modern bombs were plutonium. Why are we worried about spinning centrifuges, which are about uranium? Right. They're trying to go from the 238, get it out, and just collect a little bit of 235, uranium 235. So what happens? And so in, in Goldfinger, the Chinese, I don't know what the screenwriters were guessing, but they really were working on that. Cobalt and iodine. That's right. He calls it cobalt iodine. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Iodine? Is that mm-hmm. Oh, iodine. You're exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. it's right. not destructive, but dirty. So some of the speculation I've read from the experts on the subjects, I'm not an expert in it, but I, I have dabbled. Not yet. Uh, but uh, that I've read were the issue with the Pakistanis, who've always been close to China. China's got a problem with India. And I take you back now to 1998 in May, the peak of the Lewinsky scandal, if you remember that. Who can forget it, right? And, and you are so, smoking a cigar. Yeah, and so, and so during that, earlier on in May, a new Hindu prime minister, in effect, authorized the detonating of a nuclear bomb in India. There had been one in the early 70s called the Smiling Buddha, of all names for a nuclear bomb. Yeah, yeah. But they detonated, and the Pakistanis said, well, we're going to detonate too. Bill Clinton's on the phone and saying, don't do it, try not to talk. He didn't talk about it, but a lot of the experts said, how could it be? that within one month, because the Pakistanis did detonate, you can see it online, how could they have done it that fast? And the conjecture is the Chinese had been helping them test on this for some period. So I'm just laying that out. Yeah. So what's the big picture? My understanding, the real reason for the troops in Afghanistan, besides taking care of the initial attack, mm-hmm. was to prevent, and this is the point, to prevent the Taliban and the ISI intelligence in Pakistan from, getting, from taking over Pakistan, mm-hmm. creating a Sunni version of the Islamic Revolution in 1979 and getting access to that big nuclear arsenal. And so the probabilities apparently have gone up that we'll have loose HEU, highly enriched uranium, and all you need is a couple pieces, smash them together, hard to detect, and that's an approximation of Hiroshima, 15, maybe not be 15, but maybe 10 kiloton, 10 kiloton bombs. So that's gone up. And the real shocker was last July, that public service announcement in New York about a nuclear attack. Mm-hmm. What did they do? Why did they do that? Why did they suddenly feel the need to do that? Well, they want to see reaction. But I, I have a question. Well, hold, hold re- on. I think right, it was right. related to the collapse in Afghanistan. No, no, I, yeah. get, I get that. Yes. I get that. But, but yeah. like, if you have this, you have to have a mechanism to detonate it or send it off somewhere. And that's highly technical, right? Now, Not for it, a gun bomb. No, no I got you. But, but can't you... Uh, it's a layman. Yeah. Layman. If you see this thing on the tarmac and they want to send it off, what would happen if you just shot with a fifty caliber round? Likely wouldn't do anything. Yeah, they start. But they're not pulling one point safe. Yeah, in general. What, what I'm getting at is, you, you, like, I, I know you a get seal, the best to fizzle, but you wouldn't even get that. I, I know, but what I'm saying is, is, isn't it? I mean, we have our Star Wars thing to take down uh, the missiles in the air, and I know it might not get everything. Well, uh, but I also know that people are scared about nuclear bombs. But the reality is that a nuclear attack on a particular, if it one hits, it only affects a certain area. You know, it's not like it takes out the whole country, right? You know, it takes out a city. You know, or, I want to share better, something better with you, my friend. But, but what, what, yep. I can answer I, your question. I, 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 I'm just saying, like, I, I happen to know a guy who was a SEAL, and he actually 
shot through a family to get to a guy and spent three days treading water until a submarine picked him up. Wow. Go, go, uh, Dr. Bart Costco. So what I'm getting we at is... we got about four minutes. If, go. If, if we have the... I, I have a new project, mm-hmm. uh, including a script. That deals with the nuclear attack. So I spend you, a lot of time researching. You have so many scripts coming out of well, your ass. Well, but I've worked on these Mark. for years. So, yeah, I so know that. Catching I'm, me at age almost sixty-four. Yeah. But this one, this one, uh, well, it's it's just something in the hopper. So, if we, one of the things I did was talk to the experts at Rand Corporation, uh, who was near in, here in Santa Monica, who spent a lot of time looking. So let me tell you the Rand scenario. And this is a simple attack that we fear most. And President Obama said, I think it was in his beginning of his second term or thereabouts, he said, the irony of, one of the great ironies of history, though the risk of nuclear war has gone down, the risk of nuclear attack yeah. has gone up. Uh-huh. And he's referring, we think, to what we, they tested on here in L.A., an Operation Golden Phoenix. That is, what would happen if somebody detonated yeah. what's called an improvised nuclear right. device, a right. Hiroshima-style yep. gun? Not plutonium, mm-hmm. where they shoot one bullet of highly enriched uranium into another. Very relatively easy to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, in effect... Are, are we talking EMP? Uh, it could have a smaller effect. But yeah. This is a much smaller effect. So Rand Corporation's best predictions <laughs> that it would take place on... You can find this uh, online. It's not classified. It would take place in a container ship brought into Long Beach Harbor and would simply detonate there. And the effects on L.A., are utterly catastrophic in the rest of the world. And Even the here in the San Fernando Valley? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I mean, not so much your worry. I got it. I got to go. I got social I, effects, I gotta, the economic uh, effects. Uh, tattoo it, Dave, we, we got to get out of this state. You know. Yeah, we, oh, well, I'm already halfway there. Yeah. But, we, the, if, but if you take something like 9-11, it's that times 100 or 1,000, at least in the effects of it. And so, now, I disagree that's where they would do it, but I, I think most people <laughs> have looked at it would agree that's how it's likely to happen. Yeah. But the main thing is, thank God, we've been able to keep the HEU relatively secure. But now, with all the money and tradable goods, after the weapon, re-weaponization of Afghanistan and whatever the stability of Pakistan, the probability of that, it's not more likely than not, but it went up. It's definitely gone. And that's why we think that public service announcement could have been related to that. Hey, Matt. So that's a scary thing. Whether it happens here or in Paris or in Tel Aviv or in London, it's, it, God only knows again. There, but, there, there's a feasible chance it can happen, and it went up. And it will, yeah, up. yeah. And it because went, went. not the complicated plutonium <clears throat> bomb, none of right. that stuff, but the relatively yes, simple, easy, but, but the, the simple re- one. The reality is, I mean, as bad as it would be, yep. it doesn't end the world. No, it doesn't. It means we, it's a sh- no, it's, no, it's a but crappy it's, thing that happens. But that we have to get through. But it's still so and nasty. And there's going to be a retaliation. It's so from nasty. It's it's beyond right. It's going to end the world for a lot of us. Yeah, yes, yes. It's beyond nasty. Okay. Listen, uh, I, I want to tell you. Uh, first of all, Mike, Mike, I would love to Mike have, Z, like, go uh, for you, another hour. Mike Z, you've you've had it, and you will continue because I love you dearly. Yeah. Mike Z and his YouTube channel. Uh, how do we, the easiest way to find your Just channel? At Astro Van Tribe on YouTube. So at Astro Van Tribe. Astro Van Tribe. Okay, so that, that's Mike Z, the Astro Van uh, Guru. This man is the James Bond of. Everything of our time. He's he's the 
You know, I, I just, I, I don't know that I would be safe with all this knowledge that Bart, Dr. Bart Costco has in that noggin of his. Well, it's no wonder he needs uh, his, his supplements to make him sleep. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, but do you uh, sleep? Dr. Bart Costco. Not as well as I once did. But how, he, how many hours a night do you sleep? Well, he said with this true, this true stuff, TRU. I... He said it, it really varies. I'm gonna I'm gonna try two of these tablets tonight before I hit I the put deadlines ahead of sleep. And when you do that, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Doctor Bart Cusco, it has been uh, a rare pleasure yeah. spending time with a, a a man like you. You are fr- you are frightening. <laughs> yeah, I mean you you are because you you make us think about things that are reality. And that things that bad things, good things, mostly bad things that could happen at any second. I recommend, my friends, you buy his damn book. I mean, unless you're a friggin' idiot stick, uh, it's Dr. Bart Costco and Fuzzy Thinking re released. And he has a bunch of other books. And it, it, just look him up, Dr. Bart Costco. That's K O S K O, not C as in the store. It's K O S K O, it's Costco. Or is it K.O.? Yeah, it is. K-O-S-K-O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. E-I-E-I-O. Thank uh, you thank, so much for having thank me. Thank you. It's My it's pleasure. a rare it's a rare thing we do this after show. But I'll tell you what. My friend, from my heart, it was worth it for you. I appreciate it. Thank it, you. It, it thank was, you for the great cigar. No, no. Absolutely. Thank you. We got some food out there. So let's let's go eat. Very hey, th- thank you, my friends. Thanks for uh, sticking with us. And by the way, you should probably be thanking us because this has been pretty friggin' ridiculous. Eye opening. Uh, the learning curve is, uh, my God. Yeah, it touched him. Mike Z has touched him three times. He is now up four IQ points. Yeah, I, 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 I don't even think I got a half because I'm way over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. Very unfair. T- tattoo Dave, you got to touch him. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to. I'm going to shake him. his hand. Part Costco, my friend. Are we all? Good night, Good night everybody. Good night. I'm selling my soul. That was fun. So many things. Working home.